Hi guys, welcome back to an all new episode of Midnight Meltdown. I'm your host, Amber Rose, and would you believe me if I told you that this morning on April Fool's Day, I deleted the entire hour-long episode that I recorded yesterday that is supposed to go up on April 3rd in less than 48 hours. Well, you should, because it's true, and I spent four hours this morning trying to recover the file. I had my brother look into it. I had John look into it. I looked into it. We were on the phone with Apple support. There was literally nothing we could do. I've spent all day crying about it. It is now 3 p.m. and I have to re-record. So we are back again. I'm going to do my best to reproduce the magic that was yesterday's episode. Being totally honest, yesterday was the first episode that I filmed unscripted, meaning that normally I write out like a tentative script with just like notes and bullet points of things that I want to speak on. But yesterday I decided that I wanted to do complete freeform and just let the episode be what it was. And it turned out amazing. It was the one episode that I've been the most proud of. It was also the longest episode that I've ever recorded thus far. So I am severely disappointed and very upset. So if I sound a little bit stuffed up, that is why, because I have been crying for hours. So I guess to start off, I'm gonna give you guys a few updates from last week's episode about my grandfather passing and kind of my messy family history. So my parents last minute decided to fly down to Illinois and spend some time with family. I was gonna go on the trip, but it was A, so last minute that I just, didn't really feel like it was possible for me to like, rearrange my schedule and jump on a flight. For two, I found out some news. <laughs> so first off, my grandfather was married. So technically my grandfather's wife, who is obviously still living, is my dad's stepmom, but they are indeed married or were, and they've been married for like 20 years. So that was confirmed. The second piece of information that I found out is that my dad's brother, who I did not meet until my wedding last year, I found out in a very casual conversation that he has two children, two direct bloodline children, which makes them my first cousins. And I had no idea that they existed. So my dad was talking about my mom and him flying out to see the family, even though my grandfather did not want to have a funeral or a service or a celebration of life. My dad still wanted to fly out to spend some time with his sister and his brother and see their family. And he had mentioned in a very, again, casual conversation that my cousins were going to be there. And I said, who? He goes, my brother's kids. And I said, your brother has kids? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, since when? He was like, I don't know, 30 something years ago. And I said, what? Excuse me? So I'm 26 and I just found out that I have cousins I did not know existed, which is a weird thought to process. But I just decided that it would be best if I removed myself from the situation and just stayed behind from the trip. I'm just really overwhelmed with everything that's going on. And I think this trip was a little bit more obviously for my dad than it was for like just a little family reunion. So I let my parents go by themselves. I've also been traveling a crazy amount since the beginning of this year, which is something that I'm grateful for, but I was just ready to be at home for like longer than a week. I got back from seeing my parents. I went home and spent a week at my parents' house, came back, and this entire week I have just been so off. I've been a little depresso espresso, kind of just going through it. I've just been feeling so lethargic, so unmotivated, so sad. And I guess that's just the circle of life. I think we all kind of have those days. Some days are better than others. I think this week just was not for me and uh, me deleting my podcast episode this morning was kind of the icing on the cake. So we are back and we're going to try and save the rest of this weekend and move forward with a better attitude. And in a very recent development, my parents got caught in a tornado last night at my grandma's house because there have been wild windstorms all across the U.S. We were having insane weather yesterday, but my parents are in Illinois and they most definitely have tornadoes. I've been stuck in a tornado warning 
before when I was in Illinois for one summer that I was there, but it was a little scary yesterday. <laughs> my dad called me and he's like, yeah, they're kind of trying to figure out what to do. My grandma's handicapped. So they're trying to figure out like if the tornado came close enough, where were they going to go? What were they going to do? They're fine. Everyone's fine. But it was a little scary. But in better news, this is by far the best thing that happened all week. My roommate in college gave birth to her beautiful baby boy on the 28th which I don't even remember what day that was. Tuesday, maybe. I don't know. He was perfectly healthy. He is beautiful. And I just want to point out, you know how when babies are born and everyone's like, oh my God, your baby is so cute. But we all know that when babies are like fresh out the womb, they all kind of look a little alien-like and a little scary. No, her child is actually just like beautiful. I was so caught off by how emotional I got when I saw the arrival announcement photo of him. I just started hysterically crying and I have never had that reaction reaction to a baby before. I have my cousin who has two children. She's my age, but I remember when she found out she was pregnant when she had her babies. And then one of my very, very, very close childhood friends who's also my age, she also has two kids. And I remember when she was pregnant, etc. So I have a lot of people in my life who have either had babies or are starting to have babies or still kind of at that awkward age where like half of our friend group is not even in a relationship and the other half of us are like married and starting to think about kids. And definitely the last six months, me and John have started talking about having kids. I go back and forth. One day I'm like, yes, I want kids. And then the next day I'm like, I want kids, but I'm not ready for kids right now. And I think John has definitely been the one who's been bringing it up more than I have. But I had this like epiphany, this realization when I saw the photo of her son and I just started crying. I was like, I want kids. I'm ready for kids. I want a baby. And we're not trying for a baby right now. And we probably won't be trying for for the next year or so, but it definitely confirmed in my heart that I'm ready for a family and I'm ready for a baby. And yeah, I don't know. It's such a crazy feeling to like admit that and to finally be like, no, I think I'm actually ready for this. And what's also crazy to think about is that I met her when I was 19, my friend who just had her baby. We got randomly paired to be roommates in college and we were roommates every year that we attended the same school. And the first thing that we ever bonded on that like just cemented our friendship was that we both wanted to be married young and we both wanted to be young mothers. So to see her fulfill her dreams and have her rainbow baby is just the most beautiful thing. She is glowing and I really am just so happy for her and her husband. She got married in December last year and I can't wait for the day that I get to announce my baby whenever that day may come. But that leads me to the topic of today's episode, birth control and feminine products. Now, before I start my rant, because this is a topic I am I'm very passionate about. I do want to make it very adamantly clear. I am not a medical professional. I am not a licensed practicing doctor. So please do not take my advice podcast as medical advice. You should always consult your personal doctor or your personal OBGYN or whoever you go see for your health. If you have any direct questions about birth control, about having children, anything regarding your body, please consult a medical professional. I am not one and I just want to make that very, very clear. So in terms of birth control, I have tried two different forms of birth control. I have tried the pill and then I had an IUD for two and a half years. I am not on birth control right now and I never, ever, ever plan on going on birth control ever again. It was the worst decision I've ever made and right now I track my ovulation. And 
and I am so thankful that apps and things like this exist and it makes me so sad that more women don't know about this because I think a lot of women could prevent having some medical trauma when it comes to birth control if there was more education on options because when you go into a doctor's office the very first option that they're going to propose to you is the hormonal birth control pill and I think there are like a plethora of different brands and different dosages of birth control when it comes to the pill but the pill fucked me up it was horrible I only tried the pill for two weeks and I think if I'm not mistaken you're supposed to give it like six weeks for your body to adjust to the hormones and adjust to the birth control but after two weeks I could not handle it my body freaked out and it was more so like the hormones messed with my mental health in absurd amount like I can't even explain to you how horrible I felt and it was like almost instantly so I didn't even go back to my doctor after that I just like stopped taking it after two weeks and I've never tried the pill again and I never will now it's also important to note that the pill can be used for other things besides preventing pregnancy a lot of women go on birth control to treat acne to treat cramps pcos ovarian cysts like there are so many medical situations where birth control can actually be very beneficial but again that is something that you need to consult your doctor about but i had no need to go on birth control when i was in high school because i was not sexually active i was not sexually active until i was 22 and even after me and john started having sex and being sexually active we were just using condoms and we were not sexually active enough for me to feel like i needed to go on birth control i lost my virginity on his sister's birthday which is like a running joke between the two of us because every year on her birthday i'm like do you know what anniversary this is do you know what day it is it's just like this little silly joke that we share but after that we only had sex like three times in the first like five months of us being sexually active like we weren't having sex all of the time so after we started becoming a little more sexually active and a little more consistent with sex we kind of sat down and we're like we should probably think about me going on birth control just because condoms aren't always the best option for one they're not 100% accurate you can still get pregnant while using condoms and two you know sometimes you're in the heat of the moment you don't have one available or you just kind of forget because when you're in action and doing the deed you know you kind of get a little love sick a little love crazy and you're so focused on how great sex feels that your first thought isn't oh my god we should probably be using a condom so tried the pill did not work out for me and that is why I decided to get an IUD inserted so if you don't know what an IUD is an IUD stands for inner uterine device it's essentially this little t-shaped object that can have different dosages of hormones in it now there is the copper IUD which is non-hormonal but it's only recommended to get a copper IUD if you've already had children because the IUD is placed and inserted into your uterus which means they have to manually dilate your cervix to insert it and your body can expel and reject it too which is a whole other issue but it is an extremely painful procedure and if we're just going to talk about that quickly it is unbelievable how sexist healthcare is and the fact that women don't have better treatment and healthcare when it comes to reproductive procedures so when I got my IUD placed the first appointment that I had they tried to place it three separate times which was horrific and the reason that they could not place it is because during the procedure they discovered that I have a tilted uterus now this is a very common thing a lot of women have it and don't even realize that they have it but essentially a typical female uterus is tilted upward or it's placed upward towards the front of your body so that when you get pregnant and you start growing a fetus and it's time to deliver and go into labor your uterus is in a position to naturally push the baby 
baby out. Now, if you have a tilted uterus like I do, your uterus is actually tilted backwards towards your spine. It doesn't cause any significant health issues. Like I said, it's a very common thing. The only issue that really arises from it is that sometimes it can be more difficult to deliver vaginally and there could be complications with that. But again, that's something that you would talk about and kind of discover with your OBGYN when the time comes. So the first doctor that I went to attempted to place the IUD three separate times. Now, if you've ever had an IUD, the reason why it is so painful is because like I said earlier, they have to manually dilate your cervix. And if you don't know what that means, when you go into labor and you're about to deliver a baby, your cervix dilates to 10 centimeters to allow enough space for a baby to come out of your vagina. Now, that happens because hormones take over your body and tell your body that it is time to expel the fetus that has been growing inside of you for nine months. So if you are not pregnant, there are no hormones in your body that are naturally dilating your cervix. So they go in there, they stick a little device up your hoo-ha, like a normal OBGYN checkup, and they pinch the skin of your cervix and manually dilate it so they can stick another rod through the hole of your dilated cervix and insert the IUD. And then two little like metal strings will hang out of your cervix so that when you get it removed, it's easy to pull out. What is insane about this is that they don't give you any pain medication or any pain management for this procedure. They literally just tell you to spread your legs and hold on tight. I literally had like a scab on my lip and my lip was bleeding by the end of it because I was biting my lip so hard from the pain. The doctor gave me an Advil afterwards and was like, hang tight for a few minutes, you'll, you'll be good to go. I almost passed out, so I had to stay a little bit longer. And then that entire rest of the day, I was experiencing probably the worst cramps and stomach pain, lower abdomen pain that I've ever experienced in my entire life. Now to put this into perspective for you, there is something called an epidural which is readily available to anyone who is vaginally delivering a baby. It is a pain and nerve blocker that is inserted into your spinal cord to essentially make you go numb from the waist down. So when you're delivering a baby and your cervix is naturally dilating, you don't feel the insane amount of pain that comes along with that. So the fact that you're really only offered like an Advil or an ibuprofen when you get an IUD placed is disturbing and disgusting and something that should really be talked about, but it's not. So anyway, back to what I was saying, the first doctor tried to insert it three separate times, couldn't get it placed. They didn't have the right medical equipment. So I had to go back to see a different doctor. She ended up getting it placed on the first try. She was aware that I had a tilted uterus and everything was fine after that, except for the insane amount of pain that I was in. I have had my appendix burst when I was 12. I had my tonsils taken out when I was 17. I got dry socket from my wisdom teeth removal surgery. And then I've also had endoscopic sinusitis surgery and a septoplasty, which means that they break your nose and remove parts of the bone and cartilage in your face. And I still to this day say that getting an IUD inserted was the worst pain I have ever felt. Now, one of the pros of having an IUD is that you lose your period. You don't get your period. This doesn't happen to all women, but it is probably the most common side effect of having an IUD regardless of which IUD you have. I had the Skyla IUD, which means it was a three-year low-dose hormone IUD. So I would get it taken out after three years and either just taken out altogether or replaced. But I only made it to about the two and a half year mark before I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need this taken out. So essentially what happened was the first two years that I had the IUD in was incredible. I was having sex whenever I wanted, how much I wanted without the fear of getting pregnant, which was great. And I also didn't get my period, which was great, which means I didn't have to buy feminine products, which saved me some money. And I didn't have to worry about getting my period each month. It was great. But the con of that is even though you don't physically get your period, you still have all of the side effects of the period. And there 
heightened for sure, at least in my case. It was very heightened. I was extremely moody. My cramps increased tenfold. My cramps got exponentially worse every single month and I wasn't even getting a period. But they were so severe that there were certain months where I used to like beg John to take me to the hospital in the middle of the night because I could not deal with the pain anymore. The amount of nights that he had to sit up with me and continuously heat up a heating pack and massage my back and play with my hair and just wait for these cramping episodes to subside was horrible. I felt so bad for him. I can't even imagine what it's like to have your significant other be in so much pain and to have it be a very normal, regular occurrence. He was a trooper. He was a saint. He always made me feel better, but it was so bad. And that is another reason why I will never go back on birth control because although it's great not having a period, experiencing that level of pain every single month was just not worth it. So that is why I'm not on birth control and I'm very glad for that. It is not for me and it, you don't have to be on birth control even if you are sexually active. So around the two-year mark, I started noticing a shift and a really gnarly change in my mental health. So it honestly got to the point where I was having like one good week out of the month and then three like extreme depressive weeks out of the month. So I just became horribly depressed and at the time I did not see the correlation between my birth control and my declining mental health. But after talking extensively to my therapist about this, she had relayed to me, which is something that I did not know and doctors will not tell you, that the hormones in birth control can be very negative if you are someone who is predisposed to mental health issues, someone who currently suffers with mental health issues, or someone who has a family history of mental health issues. The synthetic hormones that you are pumping into your body from your birth control can significantly and severely alter your mental health. So like I said, around the two-year mark, I just started getting severely depressed where I was like, I just constantly wanted to die. And I wouldn't say that I was suicidal, but I just like didn't care about anything anymore. I was just always crying always miserable, always sad. Nothing brought me joy. I just didn't care anymore. And when I was talking to my therapist about this, she was like, I've had numerous patients who had an IUD placed have this same exact symptom and situation. And I would highly recommend you talk to your OBGYN about getting it taken out. On top of that, she actually went through the same thing with her birth control and she no longer takes birth control. And it took me much longer than I would like to admit to come to this realization and get it taken out. But I was at my wits end. So I made the appointment, got it taken out, which by the way, was such a breeze. It was so easy. It was over in 10 minutes. Did not hurt at all compared to the insertion of it. And when I tell you, I had immediate relief. Like probably by the end of that day, I was starting to feel so much better. And by the next morning, I felt normal. I felt like myself again. I felt happy and I just felt so relieved. I can't even explain it, but I just felt like I had been carrying so much weight and depression and anxiety and paranoia on my shoulders for no rhyme or reason there was no explanation. And the minute I got my birth control taken out, I felt like a whole new person. And that was the day that I vowed to myself I would never, ever, ever take birth control again because my body just simply does not react well to hormones. It doesn't. And that is just how it is. I don't know if you can tell, but I get so heated when I talk about this conversation. I'm like out of breath because my <laughs> adrenaline is just spiking right now. But the great thing about birth control is that there are multiple different types of birth control. So if one doesn't work out for you, you can go back and discuss your options with your gynecologist. So obviously there's the pill, there's the depo shot, which I've heard horrible things and I don't think that is a good option. There is the Nexplanon, which is the arm implant. There is the 
the Nuva ring, which I think you manually insert yourself and then you change it out every month or every couple of months. There are condoms, obviously. And then there is what I personally do, which is ovulation tracking. So there are companies out there that you can buy a thermometer to do this, but essentially each month when you are ovulating and your body is gearing up for a possible pregnancy, your temperature naturally rises. There is many conflicting statements about how or when you can get pregnant. It is fact that you are most likely to get pregnant when you are ovulating. So if you track your daily temperature, you can start tracking your ovulation and knowing at what days out of the month you are most likely to get pregnant, which if you're not trying for a baby are probably the days that you should not be having sex. And along with this, you should probably still be using condoms as well if you are not hoping for a baby. Another thing with birth control that really freaks me out is that so many women go on birth control at such a young age because it's essentially just like shoved down your throat the minute you start going through puberty because it can be used for so many other things besides pregnancy prevention. But it is just not healthy for A, someone so young to be putting hormones and outside substances into your body. But for two, it's also just so bad for you to be on something like that so long term. So I have friends who have been on birth control since they were 14, 15 years old and now we're 26, 27. So that's like what, 11, 12 years that these women have been on birth control and and when they go off it, their body just freaks out because it's been such a normal part of their routine. And I just feel like there needs to be more education on birth control and birth control options so that women don't run into these types of problems because it just fucks with every part of your body, your skin, your mind, your uterus, everything. And now I want to share a personal experience that happened to me only a few months ago that really, really, like honestly gave me medical trauma. Like even talking about this makes me so mad and it is solely the reason why I'm now just terrified to go to any doctor no matter what the reason is. When we were still living in California right before John got his job out here in Colorado, I needed to find a new PCP because I changed insurance companies. So I went on my app and found a doctor who was covered by my insurance. She had great reviews. Everyone said I thought she had great bedside manner. She was really responsive, this, that, and the other. And she was a woman. So I felt more comfortable going to see her than I would a male doctor, just my preference. So I show up to the appointment and before even like asking why I'm there, who I am as a person, what my name is, what my medical history is, whatever, her first question out of her mouth was, what birth control are you on? And I said, oh, I'm not on birth control. And she goes, why not? And I said, my body just doesn't react well to it. I actually went off of it a couple months ago and I don't plan on going on it. So she spent the first like 10 minutes of the appointment trying to convince me to go back on birth control. And then when I was like point blank, like this is not why I'm here. I don't want to go on birth control. I'm not going to go on birth control. She got very defensive and very mean. And she was like, you said you're married. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, are you trying for a baby? And I said, no, me and my husband are responsible. I track my ovulation. We are not trying to get pregnant. And she said, honestly, that's just really selfish and irresponsible of you. You need to be on birth control. And so at that point, I ended up walking out of the appointment. I did report her to the medical board at her medical office and it was this whole big ordeal, but I have not been to a doctor since. And I am terrified to go to a doctor because of that situation. I was shamed. I was embarrassed. I was just made to feel like a horrible human being because I was not on birth control, which makes no sense. Because if there is one thing that I want all of you to learn from this episode is that you have rights to your own body. 
Nobody, including medical professionals, can tell you what you can do with your body. And if you were ever disrespected the way that I was by a medical professional, you have every single right to walk out of there and you can make a complaint. Something I didn't know I could do until I called their office to complain to a manager who then told me, oh, you can actually file an official complaint with the medical board. And I was like, oh, thank you. By all means, please, how do I do that? Because no one should be treated the way I was when they're going to a medical professional. So moral of the birth control segment of this episode is that every person reacts differently to birth control. There are options. Do your research, talk to your doctor, and if you don't want to be on birth control, you don't have to be. There are other options. Now for the second half of this episode, I want to talk about feminine products and my personal experience using tampons and why I chose to start using a menstrual cup, which is the absolute best thing I've ever done in terms of my reproductive health. (laughs) The fact that in sex ed or just in general, there is not more talk and education about menstrual products and about the dangers of menstrual products and about the different types of menstrual products is insanity. I understand that it can be very intimidating and very scared to think about how am I going to place this silicone cup up my hoo-ha and then how am I going to get it out and then what happens when I take it out like obviously there are just so many questions but the great thing about these types of products is that nine out of ten times there are tutorials and there are information on their websites so personally I use the salt menstrual cup c-a-a-l-t you buy one of them you can use it up to ten years They buy certain types of sanitizing wash that you can use at the end of the month. And then you also, after you use it for the week of your period, you just boil it in hot water for 10 minutes to sanitize it and then you're good to go. So I have three very distinct stories that I'm going to share with you. And I cannot believe that I'm sharing this on the internet, but I have had three horrifying instances with tampons, which made me switch to using a menstrual cup against my insane fear of these types of products. So a little background about me and my period and my journey with feminine hygiene products. I got my period when I was 12. My mom, her entire life has been a sole pad user. So my first month I used a pad and I knew instantly. I played sports. I was a gymnast and I was a cheerleader. And I knew after that first month, I was like, never again. I cannot be sitting in a soggy bloody diaper for a week straight. It just wasn't for me. So I bought my own box of tampons when I was 12 or 13. And I read the little instruction pamphlet with the weird little line picture drawings on how to insert it. And I taught myself how to use a tampon. Now, Normally, I would probably recommend that if you are a younger viewer and you are getting your period for the first time or you are thinking about switching to tampons or trying something new, A, do your research and B, talk to an adult or someone that you know that you trust who already uses those types of products and they can help you. This should not be a taboo subject. Literally half of the world is women. Half of us bleed for a week straight every single month. You get your period for like, I don't know the exact statistic, but like over a third of your life, you have a period. So it should not be such a shameful and taboo topic to talk about. I used tampons for 10 plus years until I got my IUD placed and then I didn't get a period for two years. And I remember the first period that I got after getting my IUD taken out, I was shocked. I was 
flabbergasted. I could not believe how much I was bleeding. But the thing is, I wasn't bleeding any more than my normal period that I had prior to getting my IUD placed. It was just, I forgot what a period felt like and what a period was. So I just like couldn't believe it. Now, the thing about me is that I have also had a very, very regular and normal period my entire life. Never missed a period. I track my period on like one of those random apps and it's always accurate to the day. I bleed the same amount. It normally lasts four to five days. So I've just been very lucky in that regard. The only issue I think that I get with my periods is sometimes I get really gnarly cramps. If you're a woman, you get it. Everyone has cramps, but sometimes they are debilitating. Sometimes you can't sit down. Sometimes you can't focus. You can't do anything but just cry and huddle up in the fetal position and that sucks, but you know, it is what it is. Okay. So anyway, back to what I was saying, got my IUD taken out and I used tampons for like a month or two. And I was like, I am not doing this. Absolutely not. For one, can we just talk about the pink tax? This makes me so angry and I hope one day this changes. But the fact that women have to pay for feminine hygiene products every single month is absurd. And if you don't know what the pink tax is, essentially the pink tax is a theory that hygiene products that are marketed in a pink box or pink packaging or are marketed specifically towards women cost more than the same product that is not pink or that is marketed towards men. So things like like razors, things like shaving cream. Those types of things have a pink tax and it is so sexist and fucked up. It makes me so angry. But back on the topic of feminine products, there are a multitude of different feminine products that you can use. You can use tampons, you can use pads, you can use liners, you can use a menstrual disc, you can use a menstrual cup. There are much more options than there were 20 years ago. But regardless, the fact that we don't get to choose as women, the fact that we have to bleed and shed the lining of our uterus every single month, that is not our choice. It is a biological part of being a woman. So the fact that we are punished and have to pay monthly for these things, if you do the math, it adds up very quickly. Tampons are like $15 a box now. Not to mention, even the organic tampons have so many chemicals and God knows what else ingredients inside of them. Like it cannot be healthy or natural to be sticking that up your hoo-ha every single month. Now the thing with tampons is that you can only leave them in for like four to six hours or six to eight hours. And if you leave them in longer than that, you pose the risk of getting something called TSS or toxic shock syndrome. If you don't know what this is, it can kill you. It's an infection from leaving a tampon in too long and it can kill you. It is terrifying. So I'm now going to tell you three stories, horror stories of me using tampons, which made me swear off tampons forever and switch to using a menstrual cup. So the first story, me and John went out to lunch with one of my best friends, Christian. I met him in college and he was one of the groomsmen in our wedding. He's just one of my really good friends. So we went out to this brunch place in LA and I had two mimosas, okay? And I do not know what the hell were in these mimosas. But by the end of lunch, I was drunk. I was feeling all types of great. I don't know how I got so drunk off of two mimosas, but it happened. And so right before we left the restaurant, I went to the bathroom and I changed my tampon because I was on my period. The next day I wake up, I go to the bathroom 
and I go to take out the tampon. I cannot find it. I can't find the string. I can't feel it. I don't know where it is, but I have no recollection of removing it. So I start flipping my lid. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. So I call John to the bathroom. I tell him I lost my tampon. I can't find my tampon. There's a tampon lost inside of my body. I'm thinking that I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. I once saw an episode on that show. I think it's called like untold stories of the ER or something, but this happened to some lady. She lost her tampon, couldn't get it out and she had to go to the ER and get it removed. And I was like, I'm not going to pay thousands of dollars for some male nurse to stick his fingers up me and find my tampon. Like that's just embarrassing and expensive and I'm not going to do it. So I made my lovely husband gather all of the medical knowledge that he could think of and made him become a temporary OBGYN for me. You heard that right. My poor husband, bless his heart, had to go fishing for my tampon. So for about 15 minutes, he's all up in there trying to find it. I'm thinking I'm going to die. I'm thinking I'm going to get toxic shock syndrome. I'm thinking, how could I have lost a tampon? Every thought was going through my head. For lo and behold, at the very end of it, for him to stop what he was doing and look at me and be like, there is no tampon in there. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm telling this story on the internet. But from my husband's perspective, he was like, I know your body. I've been down here before. There is no tampon in there. There's just not enough room for both of those things to be happening at the same time for a tampon and something to be stuck up there. So he was like, it's not there. To this day, I have no idea when I took it out. I have no idea where it went. I don't know what happened to it. So that terrified me. And I was like, I will never let this happen again. It did happen again. Not the same situation, but a second situation. So the second situation that happened was I was on my period. I had a tampon in. Me and my husband were showering together. And one thing led to another. You're getting a little frisky, getting a little freaky. And um, I don't even know how to say this. We ended up having sex in the shower and he gets out when we're done and then I get out after him and I'm doing my thing. I go to the bathroom and I realize, holy fuck, I have a tampon in. I don't know how he didn't feel it. I don't know how I didn't feel it, but we indeed had sex with a tampon in and I was disgusted and I was like, I cannot how. What? I Like, I was at a loss for words. So that was the second instance and I was like, this cannot happen again. I need to be more careful. This is so scary. Like, the amount of infections that I can probably come from that is disturbing. Now, the catalyst to all of this and the one situation that made me swear off tampons forever was a situation where I was on the last day of my period and I was like, you know, I'm going to put one more tampon in just in case, but I wasn't really bleeding that heavily anymore. I was like maybe spotting, but I was like, yeah, my period's like kind of done. Go about the rest of my day. I think this was like a Thursday or a Friday. Now, Sunday rolls around and I go to get in the shower and would you believe me when I said I looked down? between my legs and saw a white little string and I went pale and cold and stopped dead in my tracks. I ripped that thing out of me so fast and just for all intents and purposes, I'm going to be totally honest, it smelled like death. It smelled horrible and I was so beyond disgusted with myself and just frozen with fear. I actually really did think that I had toxic shock syndrome at this point because I think I just was actually in shock. I started feeling pale and nauseous and dizzy and sick and so I got out of the shower and I sat down and I called John in and I was like, I don't know how long this has been in here. Like, I didn't know that I had a tampon in and he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I finished my period almost four days ago. So this tampon had been inside of me for 
for at least 72 hours and I had no idea. And thank God I was fine. Nothing came from it, but I have never been so scared. So it was from that day on. I literally went on Amazon that day and ordered a menstrual cup and I was like, I don't care how scared I am of this thing. I will never use a tampon ever again because it's just terrifying to think that like you can forget that it's in there. It can get lost. It can get embedded. I don't know. There's just so many things that can go wrong with tampons and I have discovered that three separate times. So I now use a menstrual cup and it is the best thing that I've ever done for myself. I can never say enough good things about period cups. I went to one of my best friend's bachelorette parties in Vegas in September of last year. Started my period the day we got there, okay? Had the menstrual cup and I had the best weekend ever because for one, you can leave those suckers in for like 12 to 14 hours. So you change it maybe once a day. You buy it once, it can last 10 years and it does not leak. These bitches are leak proof. And if you've ever used a tampon, you know, you know that tampons, as much as they're marketed, regardless of the size, the brand, the thickness, the material, they are not leak proof. You will always leak when you have a tampon in. But with a menstrual cup, you do not leak. You leave those bitches in, change it every 12 hours. And when you take it out, truly, you just gotta look it up. I know it's terrifying, but I watched YouTube tutorials. The company Salt, which is the brand, like I said, that I use on their YouTube channel, they have multiple tutorials that teach you how to use it. You fold it a specific way. You put it in just like a tampon. At the very bottom of it, it has a little like nipple looking thing. It's a little longer than an actual nipple and like skinny, but it's there for you to find it. So when you locate it on the very bottom of it, there's like little grips of silicone. So you squeeze it and it loosens the suction and then you pull it out like a normal tampon. You empty it into the toilet. You put it back in and that's it. There's no scary ingredients. There's no leaking. There's no spending an excess amount of money every single month on products. So that is my ode to all women who use tampons or pads. Just try it out. You never know unless you try it. It might not work for you and that's fine. You might be someone who prefers pads or prefers tampons, but if you're on the fence, I would try it because after like the second or third month of using it, I'm a pro now. Like I can insert that bitch and take it out. No problem. It definitely takes practice, but like I said, there are different ways to insert it, different positions. You can sit, stand, squat, and more likely than not, if it doesn't work for you a certain way, there's probably another way that you can put it in that works best for your body. Just have to do the research. So I think that about wraps up this episode. Now, being totally honest, it is definitely shorter than the episode I recorded yesterday, which means either one of two things. Either A, I'm definitely leaving something out, or B, maybe I'm just getting better and faster at recording these episodes, but it is what it is. We did our best. We conquered, and I'm still trying not to be upset over the loss of yesterday's episode, but please, please, please rate and leave a review for my podcast on Spotify or Apple Music, and if you are finding me on Instagram for the first time, or you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, at Midnight Meltdown Podcast, share it to your story. Tell your friends, tell your boss, tell your coworkers, tell your mom. Get the word out there because the more that you guys share it, the more people that I can reach on this platform and the more people that I can inspire. I love talking and I don't know, I just love sharing experiences. So hopefully this helped out someone today. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me again at Midnight Meltdown Podcast or you can send it to our email, midnightmeltdownpodcast at gmail.com. And one last thing before I go, I briefly brought up last week that I want to start doing bonus episodes each week where I share your guys' stories, your experiences, your questions, your secrets, whatever you guys send in. So if you have something that you want to get off of your chest, something that you're going through that you need advice on, a story that's happened to you that you want to share, or just something that you want to talk to with someone but you don't necessarily have anyone to talk about, 
about it with. I want to start doing bonus episodes and I have come up with a name. I want to call them Trauma Talks. So whether it be on Tuesday or Thursday, Trauma Talk Tuesday, Trauma Talk Thursday, send in your experiences. Any story that is sent into the podcast that is read on the podcast will be anonymous. 100%. There is no changing that. I am going to make sure that you guys are protected and that your privacy is respected and that way you don't have to worry about someone that you know finding out about it or someone involved finding out about it. But I do think sharing experiences and stories is such a great way to connect with other people. Maybe someone's going through the same thing that you are. Maybe someone listening to your story can learn something from it and apply it to one of their own situations. I think communication is such a beautiful thing and we live in the day and age of social media and highlight reels where everyone just posts only the good stuff. And we all know, especially if you're listening to this podcast, that life is not perfect and there are plenty of bad days and everyone is going through their own shit. And we need to start the conversation and stop pretending that life is perfect because it's not. So again, if you have something you want to share, something you want me to talk about, something that you want me to read on the podcast, email it to midnightmeltdownpodcast at gmail.com. All the information for Trauma Talks will be in the description box and the down bar down below as well as timestamps. I don't know if you have realized, but I do timestamp every single one of my episodes. So if there is a certain part of the episode that you want to skip to or something that you want to re-listen to, you can easily just go down and look at the timestamps and see at what point I talked about what. But with that, I think this is the end of the episode. I think I'm going to end it here. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend, a good Monday, and I will see you next week with an all new episode.